Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Life After Blindness. I am your host, Tim Schwartz, and I'd like to welcome back with me this week my wonderful, absolutely fantastic co-hosts, starting with the one, the only, Robin Christofferson. Hello, Robin. I did a Sean there. <gasps> how, how glowing was Copyright. that introduction? Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> and you were so surprised. Hello. And and those other uh fantastic dulcet tones you heard just a moment there mm. is Sean Priest. Hello, Sean. Hello, uh, Tim. Hello, Robin. How are you? Hello, gorgeous. It's a Bristolian um what do Oof. they call it? Brogue? No. Twang? Hang on. No. Aren't brogue shoes? Yeah, with holes in. That's not okay. a good uh, That sounds like my accent. Thank you design. very much. Yeah. <laughs> Discrimination already. Tim, take control, will you? Yeah, Sean. Thanks. I, I will do my best to um, take control if I if I can. Yeah. Thank Good. you so much. Good luck. Uh huh. Yeah. So anyway, we are here once again, and I wanted to talk with you all about Blindness Awareness Month. Actually, this uh, week, or actually this month, not just this week, but this month in the states, it was National Blindness Awareness Month, and just a few days ago, it was International Blindness Awareness Day, which I completely missed. I didn't even realize it until like the next day. Don't know about you guys, but. Tim. Yeah. Be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, oopsie do. Um, but we're here and we can discuss it now. So um, yeah, we can we can make up for it. And really, I mean, that's honestly what we we do here every single week, isn't it? We we try to make people aware the best we can of blindness or sight loss, uh, what we go through, what what you know things we can share and help people with, uh, whether they're sighted, blind, losing vision, you know, friend of somebody who's losing vision, uh, or is blind. You know, that's what we're here for. That's what what's what we do this for. So, hug a blindy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we need hugs. Uh, I definitely need hugs. Constant, constant hugs. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so so let's jump into this. I thought that first, because, you know, Sean, you've been on the show, I don't even know how many dozens of millions of times. 15 and, years. Yes. yes. And, and, and we've tiptoed around your you know, vision uh, and your vision loss and, and what, you know, goes on with you. Robin, you haven't said it on this show necessarily, but I know you've talked about it on other shows, but I thought just to kind of, you know, get us started and, and kind of set the table with this, we would talk a little bit about our own experiences and our, our vision loss uh, for each of us, and then kind of talk about what we would want people to be aware of, um, whether you are visually impaired or losing your vision, or you are someone who cited listening to this and just kind of curious to know, hey, what what are the things that I should be aware of? What should I know? Um, so let's, let's kind of get that started. Um, Robin, let's start with you. Mm -hmm. um, Talk to me a little bit about, you know, your, your, your life, your, yeah, well, yeah, your life after blindness. No, your, um, your beginnings of, of life with blindness, actually. Before blindness. Okay. Well, my whole family have the same condition. Well, no, that's not true. My dad was registered blind for a different reason, like glaucoma. I think it was just glaucoma, but, um, he had like 5% vision. So, you know, he, he could read. And he could actually sight read Braille, much to the annoyance of my mum, much faster than she could ever read it with her fingers. Um, so he always had enough vision to read, but not for mobility really, and definitely not for nighttime, and we didn't have a car or anything like that. But the rest of us um, all had the same eye condition inherited from my mum, and it started with her. So on one, in one way, we didn't know how it was going to progress, but on another way we did, because, you know, mum was you know mum was completely blind by her mid-20s and no light perception or anything like that but at the same time because it started with her how was it going to 
was it going to be different with our generation? So we went to Moorfields, the eye hospital in London, um, every single year growing up and sometimes a lot more often if they wanted to try stuff out because it was a unique condition to our family. It didn't have a name or anything like that. And, you know, they just wanted to most of the time show us to student doctors and stuff like that. Like the elephant um, man. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. I liked it. Um, but he probably sweated and that was another thing we didn't sweat at all. That was kind of part of the thing they were interested in. Um, that is weird. Yeah. So at the same time, we, we, as soon as we were diagnosed having the same condition, you know, was mum, we pretty much assumed that it would go the same way, even though mum was the only kind of example to go by, which meant really on one level that there was no kind of fear of how it was going to turn out because mum was doing really well. I mean, in her mid twenties, she had three children. She was running a student hostel in Durham. Um, dad was out at work all day. So she was a brilliant example as was dad. So, you know, there wasn't kind of any big question marks and like big black fears or anything like that. But at the same time, growing up, you know, there were lots of question marks around, well, will I, get a job you know um will anyone want to marry me you know stuff like that which i think a lot of people growing up with sight loss or maybe if you're born blind might have in their mind you know yep. those sort of questions i did mm -hmm. yeah so and i mean you know i happen to meet someone and get married and have children but my my sister didn't meet anyone she's got a very weird relationship with a, a good friend and she's got a boy. <laughs> Maybe I'll be listening too much to this. Information. No, honestly, very, very, very. I mean, you know, I'll just put it on the table there. Um, but and she has a boy through <laughs> through IVF, um, completely unrelated. Oh, Steph, sorry if this is all um, very on the table. Yeah. Sorry about that. She probably <laughs> doesn't point. listen to this. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. She's really cool. Um, and you know, my other sister didn't end up. Um, well, she, she's got MS now, so she's got a whole bunch of other issues as well. And she can't, you know, she can only move her head and she can't see at all. And, but she's so brilliant. She's an absolute angel. She really is. But, um, so yeah, strange family situation, um, sight loss, completely normal. Um, sorry about puffing on the microphone. You'd think I'd know my name. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, what will life hold? So none of the worries and fears of, of losing your sight, but a lot of question marks over what will that mean long term, uh, not in daily living skills or anything like that, but like the big, the big stuff. What age were you when it really affected you the most vision wise, Robin? It was just so gradual. So I, I went to a normal school, primary and secondary. They didn't have any kind of VI department or anything like that. Just got closer and closer to the front of the class. Um, really struggled at university because they didn't make any adjustments for me at all. Name and shame um, them. <laughs> uh, one of the okay. better known universities that should know better. Um, oh. And oh. mid-twenties, not really much vision at all. Um, got a, a good look at Judith before my vision went completely. But um, yeah, Sexist. I mean, <laughs> no, no uh, light perception <laughs> or anything now. So, um, a good look at her. I can't believe you said that, Robin. Well, no, Unbelievable. This is opening my eyes in so many ways. Carry on, Robin. 
What, if you meet the woman of your dreams, wouldn't you want to have a good look at it? No, for me, Robin, it, it, the visuals, the aesthetics, it, it doesn't no, portray doesn't, that person's no. soul. So I'm no. more about what's, what's going on on the inside of that person. But she happened to be good looking as well. That's all right, then. She's yeah. a stunner. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's I was it, lying, really. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you a question, Robert? What, so what is the name? Is this a unique thing to you? Or what, what is this condition? So we were under the uveitis clinic, which basically just means inflammation, I think. But yeah. the only name I've ever heard given our condition is like a, a descriptive condition. Do you want me to tell you what it is? It's very long. Yeah, go for it. Autosomal dominant neovascular inflammatory vitreoretinopathy oh, which is basically is so just cool. a bunch of describing words so so this isn't a you know like uh, i've got common and garden uh, rp right everyone's got that so uh, how, how common what, who's yeah. going to be first in line for research and you know advances in treatments and stuff like that you guys you are no, right. Yeah. Us. Well, <laughs> not necessarily me. Look into things that are going to be affecting millions of people. Yeah, rather than you don't right. sweat, so you get the bonus of that. Yeah. Well, There's always an upside. Here, here's the thing, Sean. Robin and I have an extraordinarily similar story, similar uh, journey. Um, because I, I mean, I'll get more into mine in here in a minute. But just quickly to say. Uh, me and they think maybe my grandfather, but the the records weren't as good, and the you know photos that they took at the back of the eye and all that weren't as good when mm -hmm. when he was losing his vision. But they think we both have the same issue with our eyes and the back of our eyes, but nobody else really has it. We're we're it, um, and I don't sweat either. No so, way. There you go. Nope, I don't. I nice. hate going out in the heat. If I uh, if, if I'm out in the heat too long, I, I overheat. Uh, when we go places where I know I'm going to be out for a long period of time, I have to drink lots of water. I, I get one of those little fans that you can put water like in the bottom and spray it on you while it fans you at the same time. Oh, oh, like a dainty southern bell. Yes. Dude, overheating means like feeling like you're baking from the inside. It does. It really it's does really because your outside of your body isn't stuff. cooling you down. Yeah. yeah, I'll go and just splash water in my face, and yeah, it's it it gets ridiculous. Um, I've actually <laughs> We're dry the, buddies. Yeah, we are all oh, dry buddy. Wow, I'm not sure. <laughs> Gross. Um, anyway, moving on. So um, before we get more about me, Sean, um, you mentioned there that you have RP retinitis pigmentosa. Correct. Um, obviously, that's that's something that's understood to be a genetic. Uh, you know, a genetic eye disease. Is that something that anybody else in your family has had before you? Uh, well, we assume my grandfather on my mum's side. We're, this is RP poor hom. This is X-linked, we're saying. But again, like you said, the, the records back then from my grandfather, we actually, it's, it's a bit of an unknown, but he was blind um, and I'm blind. And I've had the test, the blood test and whatever else. And yeah, they're pretty sure it's X-linked, but no one else in my family immediate family my brother doesn't have anything or, or anything like that so so when you had two girls was it like sigh of relief time no it was uh absolutely oh no because if it if i had boys it would have stopped if what? i have girls the girls carry it so if oh. they have boys there's a 50 50 chance that yeah, they their children could have it yeah oh. so my mum, my mum is a carrier of rp because oh. her dad had rp and there was okay. a 50 50 chance of 
her children being effective. So I was affected, but my brother wasn't. Huh. So, um, yeah, but it is what it is. Uh, it but is. when it comes down to actually affecting me, which is what we care about, obviously, um, <laughs> it didn't really, I didn't really notice it. It, it was looked out for because my mum's parents were both blind. It was looked out for anyway. You know, it was, I was taken to the eye hospital regularly and it was noticed when I was fairly young that I was missing things. So um, actually, I remember from being really young, going through all the tests, you know, field tests and having electrodes taped to my head and all that. Um, so I think it was picked up fairly, fairly quick. But it didn't really affect me until... 12 or 13 where I started to lose the peripheral and the night vision problems came in um, but I went to a mainstream school didn't really have any issues wore glasses basically I just sort of I dealt with it as short-sightedness really um, and it wasn't until I was 16 17 where it started to get you know the tunnel vision became an issue for just mobility but looking back I mean, you know, compared to where I am now, is that I could uh, I would say I was very lucky. Well, describe um, that, Sean, because Robin was talking about his being a very, very gradual thing, and it, it affected both your eyes at the same time, Robin, or one then the other. Sorry, fudge. Um, <laughs> both equally, I do have a memory of the corner of my left eye, out of the side of my left eye, having some useful vision, you know, for later on than than the rest going but, but it was yeah, just kind know, of a gradual you could see and then over time gradually it just was gone yeah i mean night vision went ages ago before all my vision but okay. mobility yeah right from probably a similar sort of time frame to sean but um just so gradual that you know on the one hand you can just adjust and you've got like my mum and my dad too as an example of what you do when you know when you work without much vision or no vision at all um but at the same time it, you, you kind of are in denial and a bit kind of reluctant to move to the next stage so you know you don't want to be you want to be normal for as long as possible oh, sure <gasps> normal. Each, <gasps> normal how dare you and each gradual step that your vision is taking <laughs> going darker darker you're able to slowly adjust with it that mine was similar except mine was the right eye first and then over the 10 years after my right eye my left eye went behind mm. it so it was a gradual one eye then gradual the other eye for you sean it's gradual but from the outside in right that's how the rp works is because it's tunnel vision yep. and i know you still have a tiny bit of it left i think but you you would have started with the gradual you know kind of coming from the outside in on you closing in creating that tunnel how gradual was that and what was that like i was very gradual and to be honest it was nothing that i noticed the only time i ever noticed it was when people pointed it out because they would be offering me something you know if you're walking to school and someone would offer you a crisp or a chip i believe the uh, the americanos say um yes and they would you know punch me give me a dead arm and say hey do you want one of these or not I was, oh what what then they were so i never really it never really i never really felt affected by it uh, as to stopping me doing things did um, people at your school know though no okay so they just so, thought you were being yeah yeah but well, you know it's just the short-sighted kid right oh, okay so yeah and 
Don't mind him. I, He's a bit short-sighted. Yeah. Well, apart, yeah, and a, <laughs> a lot of that though was, you know, I was, I didn't say anything. I never told anyone because I, I did know. I was sat down at some point by my mum and dad and said, you know, you are losing your sight. Uh, by the way, which I think was a fantastic thing to do, and and so, so, um, so difficult a conversation to have with mm. your child. Uh, I think that they did an amazing thing. So I did know. Now, I didn't really take it in. I don't think I brushed it to one side, but I did know. And, you know, I think people around me did know. Um, and the school was informed later on. But for all intents and purposes, my schooling was, you know, just mainstream. Um, but when I left school, I went to RNC Hereford, a blind college. And that totally changed everything for me. Because before then, I had no, you know, no reference point of visual impairment of people, of blind people. It was always, you know, those disabled people. Um, and when Your I went to... Though. Your grandparents? Sorry? Yeah, no, I didn't know them. They, ah. were, they were dead before uh, ah. I, I knew them. So I had no, no reference point there. So, um, yeah, that was the most important thing. That was the biggest uh, help, I suppose, was actually mixing with people who had, you know, no, no vision or better vision than me all in one place, all getting on with it. And a lot of people going through the same things of denial and, you know, struggling with it and getting drunk and breaking into uh, tears. So uh, it was really helpful for me. Um, and yeah, so like Robin said, since then, it's just been gradual, gradual, gradual. And about 18 months ago, I started walking down the street when I was taking the dog out. And I just noticed hey, it's, it's getting, you know, like when it's really sunny or and it, there's a bit of fog, it just seemed really foggy and glary and then every day it was getting worse and worse and every time i was taking that walk i think wow this is getting worse and worse until i get to the point now when it's just i've just got a white out basically but you've got cataracts as well haven't you well that's it they say you know you could try for a cataract because i do have do it, cataracts. Mate. yeah yeah but i've had it before so going back to the left eye right eye thing a couple of years ago my right eye just went like that and I did have the cataracts operation and it didn't make any difference. Mm. So I'm pretty didn't convinced. Didn't for me either. <laughs> no, I think it is just the RP, you know, it's just mm. my eyes given up because I did develop a nystagmus uh, a couple of years ago as well. So um, I think Did you it's catch just, that from Stephen? Yeah, exactly. That's why I say. I blame I him for that. I caught it from Sean. <sighs> All three of you, you have it? I didn't know. Oh, now I'm going to get it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> she did say well, yesterday, know, though, what? that it's not all the time. It's only like sometimes, but I was like, mm, okay, thanks. No, no, mine's constantly. <laughs> I, you know I immediately thought of that um, weird um, fake doctor on uh, Cannonball Run. Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a reference. <laughs> that's a reference. No, you got me. For, oh, the for, drunk one. For the youngins the out there. Um, with go, the syringe. Yeah, go Google that one. <laughs> wow. But I've got to say, uh, since I've gone, um, since my, basically, it's just sort of light perception I've got now. You know, I can see the odd massive white van if it's parked on the pavement in front of me, but pretty much... But not it's, its wing mirror. No, exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Until it's too late, yes. <laughs> I can't say, though. I kind of... I'm kind of into it. Once Is you that can weird? switch into not fighting it, go well, with you it. You know, I, I couldn't trust my eyes before, and I'm forever stopping and starting, and, uh, yeah. you know, <gasps> well, there's a shot. That's probably where I get that tick from. <gasps> It's, it's constantly <laughs> oh, my eyes. I know exactly telling. that feeling. You're constantly shocked. Yes. <laughs> yes. Me, though, exactly. It happens with like a sudden change in acoustics. You know, you suddenly sense there's a massive 
yes know, it could be like steel wall and it's probably just a van to the side but it, you know it still triggers that fight or flight thing or something hits you in the face like a branch or something or it's actually a thing like the cupboard door left open or something or some punching me. can yeah. i just ask though robin you made a point there about you know you weren't really when you knew what was coming right mm -hmm. sort of like uh, i was as well but um bruises I knew that there was lots of bruises coming. <laughs> yeah, but you make the point that, you know, your, your mum and dad were both working and doing their thing and coping. Yeah. And they, they had the, um, you know, the mobility skills and all that. Uh, yeah. do, you, do you really think, that, did that really help you? I, I mean, because I could, I could see that. It fear away. Like, Does it though? Whoa, That's the point. Is my world going to shrink right down to, you know, nothing? N mm. That, I think, wasn't ever, you know, you can function and you can be happy. And you can well, that's a huge. Can... That's a huge positive to take. We away. always laughed in our family a lot. You know, there was a lot of kind of yeah. Yeah, we do as well. But at the same yeah. time, though, Robin, you did mention before that you did go through that period of time of will someone you know be with me? Will somebody marry me? Am I going to have a family? Am I going to be able to you know be in normal quote unquote normal working society? So you did mention that before. So I mean, there was a little bit of of kind of maybe not worry or fear, but just questioning, right? Did you guys not have that? I did. Oh, I did. But I'm just you yes. were saying that, that <laughs> there was like it took away the fear. And I was just re, you know, reiterating that before you did say, though, that there were some concerns. So maybe not fear, but you, you did have the concerns that, that I know both Sean and I have had. Mm. Yeah. I mean, just not being able to take things for granted. The big stuff that maybe other people can assume that will probably be in their future you know, job, house, family, that sort of thing. I mean, thankfully, they did all fall into place. But yeah, growing up, uh, you know, you know that you're going to go completely blind. And you have a question mark about what that will mean for you. You've got brilliant role models around you. But what will that mean for you specifically? You know, you do question that sort of stuff. But yes, yeah, I think that's I mean, and also technology was coming along in the 80s, you know, the personal computer happened. So it came along at just the right time for me to think that, oh, this um, this is going to do a lot for, you know, people with a vision impairment. Did you? I wasn't thinking that. Yeah, no. I had a talking laptop at university. It was a little Toshiba. Well, it was big. It was quite big. It was like it was a DOS machine. It was really heavy. Suitcase. It had a built-in um, HAL wardrobe synthesizer in it with this great big knob on the front that had been drilled in the case of the so which could turn the volume up and down and yeah i used that through university so if i hadn't had you know that speech on an old dos laptop i wouldn't have written anything i wouldn't have you know taken any notes or anything like that i couldn't imagine yeah. just doing it all on tape so um cool yeah i was i felt grateful for tech coming along and i've obviously made a living of it so thank goodness for tech but um that scared curious. me yeah tim for you is it was your did your macula go first because mine did you know central vision went first for me and so mobility was was good for a lot longer than maybe if it had been the other way around well i mean for me it was again a very gradual vision loss i didn't visually notice anything until i was oh, maybe 14, 15 years old, something like that. And it was, as you guys both have kind of talked about, you know, sitting more towards the front of class. I had to get glasses for a while. 
what's funny you were talking sean about you know somebody passing you a crisp and, and or a chip and knowing okay they just passed that to me from this particular side and i didn't see it and you kind of have that feeling of that memory i remember because when i was a kid I, I ran track i played basketball and because my ride eye was going first and it was it wasn't like you've got Sean with tunnel vision and it wasn't even like it was just the whole eye at once or, you know, the macula necessarily, although it was in a way the macula, but it was this blind spot that just kind of started like up into the right of my right eyes vision. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, like a blob just taking over my vision, you know, my, my, my field of vision. And what I noticed first, even though it was kind of encroaching on my central vision ish, I really noticed the periphery peripheral vision going first because when I was playing basketball, I think we were, I think it was just a practice. I don't think it was in a game. Somebody passed me the ball on my right side and it bounced off my wrist because I didn't see it coming. And that was kind of my first clue of, okay, yeah, the, the vision that I had on that side is, is not there now. I don't, I don't have it. I hadn't really noticed that before because I mean, how often are you really paying attention to your periphery periphery? Yes. You never. know, especially when you're 13, 14 years old, I wasn't driving yet. I, you know, I ran track, but that's running in a straight, you know, r running in my lane around a, uh, you know, around the track. And, and so in basketball, when it, when that happened, I mean, that really kind of freaked me out. Now for me, I also had a grandparent, my grandfather, like I mentioned earlier, was totally blind by the time he was in his 40s. And I think it had started in his 20s. For me, it was pretty much always there, but it didn't really affect me, like I said, until uh, I was a teenager. By the time I was 20 years old, my right eye was pretty much all black. It was pretty much all gone. My left eye was still okay. I think even as of 2002, I um, still had 20 to maybe like 2200 best corrected um so with glasses it, it wasn't 2020 but still like 2200 you know ish um so i still had some functional vision over the next you know eight to ten years after that though my left eye pretty much caught up to where now at, at this stage of my life my right eye really doesn't have any perception of anything my left eye i can pick up really really bright lights uh sometimes and some movement if i put my hand like inches from my face and and you know, wiggle my fingers. It it's hard to describe, but it looks like maybe a, a dark kind of blackish, grayish, weird mesh of a glove. There's no details. There's no, you know, nothing. It's just the outline of the fingers in the hand that I can wiggle them. Uh, I think I've talked about this before in the show and other shows where my daughter, since she was, you know, a real, real little girl, we would play a game where she would look into my left eye, get, you know, kind of close and she would smile and then pucker her lips and then smile and pucker her lips. And I could see the movement of that. So to me, it looked like a drawn up, like mushy circle into a straight line, if that makes sense. So as she smiles and puckers, it goes back and forth. And that's really all I yeah. see, you know, once in a while, if I'm lucky, I can see slits that I'm, uh, that I know where her eyes, like where her eyes are, or, or even on my wife, you know, if I'm looking really close at their face. Um, but it's not something I would do to anybody else because it would be awkward <laughs> to anybody else. Obviously my wife and my daughter, you know, they get up close and it's a really bright light and I'm like, or maybe my eyes are dilated. Maybe I just woke up and my eyes are, are still really dilated. And so that helps, you know, bring in that perception a little bit. You wait and, till we meet Tim. I'm going to pucker. Ooh. I'm going to smile at you uh, and stay puckered. Yeah, and stay puckered. <laughs> no, but no, Sylvia, for me, it was gradual from like, 
like I said, 13 ish, 14 years old. I mean, the doctors saw it before I did, you know, they saw this mass behind my eye and for years, they actually didn't even know what it was like you, Robin, they gave it just a generic name. And for me, they just said bilateral hemangioma, which wow. basically means, you know, uh, some sort of swelling or, or, you know, mass in the eye in the right eye, you know, that's really all it is. And even mm -hmm. to this day, they haven't named it anything other than to say, well, the blood vessels that you naturally have around your optic nerve that feed your optic nerve, you know, that are supposed to be there. Well, you have more than you're supposed to have, and they're tangled up around the blood vessels that feed your optic nerve and they're squeezing those and squeezing your optic nerve. And well, there's not really anything we can do about it. They had seen that type of situation in other people where like the the, bless, the blood vessels or the mass develop somewhere else in the back of the eye, but never around the optic nerve like this, like a like a spider web, you know, squeezing it off or something. Um, so being the placement of it had never been seen before. And uh, I went all over the country actually seeing the best of the best and stumping all of them until finally there was one machine at one university with one doctor that said, ah, with this different machine, I can see it and this is what it is. They were gonna radiate, but they were like, well, but if we do radiation, how do we know which are the blood vessels that need to stay to feed your optic nerve? And how do we know are the ones that are the bad ones that we need to radiate and get rid of? Mm. If we go in there, we, we can't do directed Take radiation. A Have a gamble. Oh <laughs> yeah, sure. Just go and drop a, you know, nuclear radiation in there and just kill them all. Yeah. Because that's what would happen um, or would have happened. But now at this point in my life, unfortunately, those extra blood vessels squeezed the other ones so much that they started killing off the ones that feed the optic nerve. And I think that's really what's happened in my right eye. So where I had too many, now I have too few. Too few. Right. Um, so is my left eye is still trying to hang in there, but what's that, Robin? Is it hereditary or they don't know? Well, we presume so because we think my grandfather had it. Now, my mom, when she was a little girl, they tested her eyes and they actually can see scarring in the back of her eyes where she might have had it and then her body fixed it and so it it got taken care of in my mom's eyes um her brother and sister don't have it at all now my daughter is 10 years old she's got perfect vision thank goodness um so we shall see so far so good but we don't know if it's something that you know could she take to her children you know is it is it, you know, X chromosome, like we said before, or, you know, is it going to be if she has a son or, uh, you know, we, we really don't know. We, we just don't know because my grandfather's sister was blind at one point, but she had MS and a couple of other things, I believe. Um, and so, you know, she wasn't blind for this, as far as we know. Um, my great grandfather was blind at a point, but we believe it was just because of age, but we're not really sure, you know, records back then we have no idea. Um, so it's kind of a wait and see with my daughter and what happens going forward. But we have that conversation with her, just like you were talking about, Robin, your family having that with you. I'm um, in exactly the same boat, being very grateful that it looks like our kids, you know, they got signed off at, I think, 16 from Moorfields as, you know, they haven't spotted anything yet. And if it went the same way as all the rest of the family, then they would have seen it years before. But I'm also really aware that there are going to be people listening out there for whom that's an inappropriate sentiment potentially for them you know for for us it's completely valid how we feel about it but you I was going to bring that, that up have, yeah 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 well go for it no you carry on you carry on that's it really you know that um we're more than our disability so you know if they had then 
so be it, you know, and hopefully they would feel as uh, empowered as yeah, I did growing up. Exactly right. I, but it's, I think, because I've seen this more and more, and I've also seen it in other, not just disability, I've also seen it in other demographics as well, mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. you know, why are, why do people need to be proud? You know, the pride marches and all that. Mm -hmm. You know, particularly with the LGBTQ, you see that a lot. And it really infuriates me. And I, I don't think there's, um, I don't know, sometimes I feel like you've got to be careful. Uh, like, I, I hope my children don't develop any side problems. And, and it seems like such a normal thing to say and such a, a natural emotion to have, sentiment to have. Yet sometimes I feel, like you said, Robin, sometimes maybe people don't like that I, I, I don't i'm not picking my words very carefully here i'm, I'm not expressing as parents i think that we can all i think anybody listening especially is and if especially if they have a child um or have children around them they're going to understand that you want the best for your child i mean everybody who has a child that loves and cares about that child as soon as they're born you know unless you've already had the ultrasounds and things you're checking their fingers you're checking their toes you know okay good there's 10 you know it's like you know, you're <laughs> yeah. making sure they're healthy you want to make sure their heartbeat yeah, but, is good and and so for for every parent you go through i want a happy healthy child and yeah there are people who and i know that it, i know what you're saying there are people that don't have a disability or don't have vision loss or, or blind that will decide I want a happy, healthy, complete child. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but at the same time, there has to be awareness, not just about blindness, but about anything. I've seen and heard stories about people that they find out their child's gonna have Down syndrome or something else, and they think the world is over and life is over and, oh my God, what happened? What did we do to deserve this, to have a child with this disability? And that, I think is a mistake, but unfortunately, that's just humanity. That's just unfortunately yes, where we Another are. And I don't discover that. Just take it in their yeah. stride and yeah. totally accept the baby will be that way and will love it exactly the same and will support. You've it got to just put in the can. work to yeah. understand. Okay, I might just need to work with this child differently. My parents adopted my younger brother. He's 12 years younger than me because they did foster care for a while because they wanted to adopt. And so I was 12 when, when they, a little bit over 12 when they adopted him, knowing that he was going to have multiple disabilities. I mean, the, the, the social worker for the, the county or for the state had said, are you guys really sure you want to adopt this child? Because of his parentage, because of his, his history, he's probably just gonna be a vegetable the rest of his life. Huh? Now, at this point, he's in his 30s, he's married, he's got an apartment with her, they do great. Now, uh, you know, mentally, psychologically, he, he does have disabilities, you know, ADHD, and, and he's on the autism spectrum, but he's higher functioning. I mean, he walks to the store and goes shopping and he, you know, has a job, you know, mm. he's living a really good, happy life. He loves music and he loves pro wrestling and he loves horror movies and he's far from the vegetable that he was supposed to be, but he's not a rocket scientist. I mean, although who is, but, <laughs> but he's one of the most loving, giving, supporting, wonderful people you'd ever meet, sometimes to a fault, actually. And we can that's probably just all a... think of, sorry. No, go ahead, Robin. Well, I was just going to say, we can probably all think of people on the other end who have got everything, every, you know, f 
something going for them possible you know life has really dealt them an amazing hand and they're not grateful and they're not happy and they're not contented and they're not you know so absolutely you know i think it's amazing that you can work with what you've got and be happy now whether i'm proud of being blind i'd actually like to sidestep that broader conversation or that kind of in-depth conversation because with you know just by saying that i think everyone's entitled to feel how they feel but yeah. if you were looking forward here's a kind of a, a double question have you got personally any hope for a technological solution and if it did come along would you take it and i think i you know the, the second one is a no-brainer for me but um, for some people who have maybe feel really proud about what you know their their hand that they've been dealt may have a different answer to that second part but yeah for me because it's the the retinas are completely shot it would have to involve like a whole eye transplant or some kind of clever chips behind you know in the in the kind of optic nerve or kind of directly embedded in the brain or something all these kind of retinal implants aren't gonna do it for me even if they become much higher res because they can't plug into anything half living you know it's just a yeah, it's there, the same so, for me. Yeah, yeah. I've got to fix the connection to the brain because the optic nerve has been damaged so badly that either they're going to have to repair my optic nerve or they've just got to put a new wire in there. You know, just mm -hmm. let's go tech on it. You know, I've got to get a new wire from the eyeball, the camera to the brain, you know, USB -C. The, the, the processor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, 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 yeah exactly. USB-C. <laughs> and so... And just get it plugged in. But no, but I mean, that's the thing though. Like, I mean, they are working on those kind of things, but the cameras, I mean, people see what shapes and, and lights and things. So, I mean, it's not there. We're so far away. Exactly. And if, yeah. but if they said tomorrow, we have something that is a hundred percent foolproof to make you get all your vision back, I would take it without even thinking, without taking a breath, yeah. because I know that we're not supposed to put such a value on vision and material visual things and i and i try not to especially with you know having lost my vision for as long now as i have i don't think about aesthetics or visuals as much as i used to but at the same time i've never properly seen my daughter's face you know what i mean and that to me even if i could have that for a moment i know that sounds maybe corny or, or sappy or whatever but even just having that for five minutes would be would be worth everything for me yeah and however much we identify or kind of our identity has grown up around the person who we are and a big part of that might be you know not being able to see you know you'll still be the same person afterwards you know you won't be giving up much and you'll certainly be gaining quite a lot i would just see it as an extra tool and skill and you know like learning another language or learning to play the piano or reading braille you know it, it, who wouldn't want their sight back in some shape or form as long as it was useful vision and not really, really disturbing. Um, if it was offered to you. Yeah. How about you, Sean? Oh, absolutely. I would murder you, Robin, to <laughs> yeah. get my sight back. I, I don't <laughs> not afraid pry to my it. eyeballs if I had functioning. <laughs> yes, I would prize them out of your head. <laughs> With a spoon. Absolutely. Like, it's, it's not a case of being ashamed of, of, of a disability or, or whatever. It's, it's a case of this would make my life easier. This would... Uh, give me uh, abilities that would uh, improve my life. Uh, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't take that? Um, That's the thing. You see, I see the whole pride thing as being the the sort of one end of the spectrum, where in the middle it's neutral, and on the other end it's shame or embarrassment yes. or kind of yes, yeah. So I'm absolutely saying that people should feel good 
about themselves and as part you know if they've got a disability that should be part of that positive identity of themselves but i wouldn't push it right out to the pride end of the spectrum personally because it's not a self it's not a you know that what you've done with your disability is something to be proud of i'm almost said despite your disability but maybe that's a little bit conscious you know but yeah. not the, the fact that you were born a certain way or, or given a certain set of genes i don't think there's anything of merit there you didn't you didn't have a hand in that do you know what i mean well i think that's kind of the point when it comes to pride is that i'm not proud that i'm blind because i think that's a that's a funny sentence you know what I mean? Like you can be proud of a lot of things. I'm proud of my, my daughter and her accomplishments. I'm proud of what we do here each and every week, you know, trying to help people the best we can. I'm proud of the fact that we, all three of us, despite what, you know, maybe we go through, we've learned the technology the best that we can. We, we try as hard as we can. And I'm proud of anybody else, whether it's blindness or any other disability for coping with it, for fighting through it and try, you know, getting up the next day and trying again. Those are things you can be proud of, but proud that you are blind. I just think that's a really odd sentence. And it, and, it, and it's just, it's not pride, it's coping. You know, I, I'm, I'm proud how I, how well I can try to cope with it. Now, as we've all alluded to, I, I didn't always cope well with it. And there are times now that I don't cope well with it. No. Um, I, I think all of us, even our, our good friend, Stephen Scott, we've all said this, sometimes getting together and doing these recordings is therapy. I know for a long time, you know, Sean, and you, you and I have talked about this in the past that just coming together and talking for an hour and just letting it all out, even if we're talking tech or whatever, just being with not just like-minded people, but people that are in a, in a similar situation is so therapeutic and it helps with the coping. It helps with the understanding because you can understand yourself better by, by hearing other people. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit, Sean, because we didn't mention this. Robin mentioned that his wife, Judith, is sighted. And so that is definitely helpful. Not that having a, a person as a partner is, you know, that's uh, blind or visually impaired is not helpful. Um, but you know, my wife is, is also sighted and that's very helpful. But you can still manage if you're a blind couple because your partner, Sarah, is herself blind also, right, Sean? Yeah, that's right. Uh, now, it's, it's funny, actually, because when I first met Sarah at college at RNC, she had better vision than I did. And for the longest time, actually, she had better vision than I did. And she still wanted to date you. I know. Well, I was a gorgeous <laughs> chap. So, oh, uh, like okay. Adonis, you know. <laughs> I think Adonis. Adonis. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but, yes, um, so Sarah's got glaucoma, so she has lost almost all her vision now. Um, you know what? Now I've caught her up. It's it's a tricky one. It is, it's a, I, because as you said, it the the therapy of just getting together and talking to someone that knows the 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 the, the things that you go through that other people may find trivial, and you know like I I, I the anxiety of just going outside and and planning it, going through a trip in your mind, and all the terrible things that may happen if you know if you meet a a person that's not particularly helpful or whatever. Being able to share that with someone, I think, is is really helpful. And, and it, I think it, that it's it's good in the respect that, like, say for, and I don't want to necessarily speak for you, Robin, but but I'm going to assume it's very similar. You know, with with my wife, with Jennifer, you know, when we first met and we were dating, we could 
discuss all kinds of things and and grow with each other and learn from each other about you know our favorite music our favorite movies our favorite books or you know whatever you know all those things that couples talk about when they first get together and you know that brings them together something that they can work with each other on um in your case sean with sarah you guys had all that obviously i'm sure but you also had this vision loss thing that you could talk to each other about so that extra little bit of connection between the two of you that you kind of I'm, I'm sure lean on each other a little bit and and you know and cope with each other rather than as on your own there is that but you know what i i think it kind of to use the cliche of you know see the person not the blindness i think there is a yeah. kind of it depends on who you're with anyway if sarah was sighted yet yeah, you know maybe she or we, we didn't empathize with each other anyway then it, it, you know the relationship would be difficult or wouldn't work sure. anyway. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, uh, you know, the sighted or blindness thing, I, I think when it comes down to a partner, the formative times are usually, you know, university, college, uh, or when you start employment, is where we usually meet our partners, right? So because I was at a, a, a blind college, um, I met a, a visually impaired partner. But I don't think it actually... I, I mean, it sort of takes us to the... How difficult is it to date when you're visually impaired? And would a sighted person... Not as hard as you make yourself think it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah. Most of my 20s, I didn't because, as you said before, Robin, we we talked about this a little bit. I I got... After my ride, I got really bad by the time I was about 21 and I couldn't drive anymore. I got so depressed and so just upset and frustrated. And I locked myself away in my apartment and I played video games and ate food and, you know, just kind of became a hermit. I mean, I had I'm a so couple jealous. friends. Oh, yeah, exactly. yeah, it was the life, man. It was the best. But no, I would say to myself, like, why am I going to go out and, and go somewhere and try to meet people? There's not going to be a woman that's going to want to date me, mm-hmm. let alone marry me. And then, of course, my fears came true later on. I, I've told this story, uh, you know, other places. You know, I had a girlfriend, um, the one just prior to meeting my wife who at one point, two, over two years into the relationship said, well, I, I don't know that I see us getting married only because, not that I wouldn't want to marry you, but I mean, your vision, like, will you be able to change the baby's diaper if we have a child? Will you be able to feed them and clothe them and take care of them? And, <gasps> I, and I'm like- The witch, uh, burn yeah, her. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, um, I think we need to, to reconsider our entire relationship. And, but and you know what? That was perfectly valid. Um feelings for her to have as well oh, totally. they're was... valid but it was the it was the way it was approached it, it, it was more of a she had already kind of decided and it was matter of fact it wasn't yeah. let me talk with you because she came to my apartment all the time saw that i you know cooked for myself cleaned for myself i did my own laundry <laughs> did my own grocery shopping i could clothe myself you know what i mean she saw all this for over two years and just if she just approached it from you know, I know all this stuff. I see you doing all this stuff. I don't know why I feel this way, but I just, I hate to ask, but if we did get married and had a kid, talk to me, what, you know, would you be able to do this? Would you be okay doing it? That wasn't the way it was approached. It was approached as, well, you're just not going to be able to do it. And so that, that was a little different for me in the way that it happened. But yeah, if it had been that way, that would have been a different conversation, but, but it is a valid thing to think about because it's what had me worried all of my twenties before her of not that I couldn't do it. I mean, like I said, my parents were foster parents before they adopted my, my brother. I had actually babysat 
our foster kids plus another family's foster kids at one point with a friend of mine. Don't um, try what, and justify yourself. No, 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 no but I've I'm been, just saying I like, hate going through saying, no, yes, I, well, I can, I can, I can. No, well, no but there was a point where like, look after kids. Well, but there was a point where like we had nine foster kids between the two families and they all, you know, were under the age of two and all of them decided to soil their diapers at the same time. So I, you know, I lined them up on the floor and, you know, went down the line, you know, so it's not like I didn't know how to do these things. And vision didn't really matter when, when my daughter was born in 2012, you know, I really didn't, I had no functional vision at that point. The nice nurse came in and said, all right, dad, we're going to teach you how to change the diaper of this child. And she hands me the diaper and I'm already holding a list in my arms. And I set her down. I, while the woman was talking to Jennifer for a moment, I had already gotten the diaper off. I, I, you know, grabbed her you know ankles and did the thing and flipped and you know did all the moves you know the the pro moves yep. that you get I know you the know, moves yeah you know, slide the diaper in and yeah <laughs> and i did all that stuff and she turned around and looked at me and she goes well dad you've done this before i'm like yeah it's been a while but just because i can't see what i'm doing doesn't mean i don't know what i'm doing you know so that was but that was a that was a good day for me to prove my ex wrong you know but but again i i couldn't completely fault her did like you i text said her? I did not. I should have. <laughs> Although she did know that I had a child, so that that was guys, a comfortable this is thing. A completely understandable concern of it is. Like I said, I had it all through my twenties. By really able, yeah, you know, yeah. people with a particular impairment. It's the concerns it that vision, we had be... when we were losing our sight. Sorry. Mark. Exactly. Yeah. Can we do it? Absolutely. And if we doubt ourselves, then you know it's understandable that. And you know, there's so many questions that that people. I just see it as a as a as a good opportunity or as a something that was useful to have happened because then you moved on and you met the right person. I don't believe in fate, but you know, I think that was useful to bring out something that maybe she wouldn't have been, maybe deep down, she didn't feel like she would be up to the job of, you know, in quotes, caring for someone that has a disability long-term. I don't know. I mean, Judith is a, born carer and I have to really I was going to say fight against letting her do everything I I don't fight Robin. I Robin. just let her do everything <laughs> you see now Robin <laughs> see what stuck in my mind there so, which, which, which pricked my head <clears throat> was caring I mean I, I suppose it, we're not it, talking it, about we're talking about caring of equals we're not talking about like yeah. the carer and the caring. Caregiver. No, I'm, yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not on that page. I'm talking yeah, about yeah. Okay. loving someone and being fine Caring about them. with them. Well, yeah, in my house, yeah. Jennifer cooks yeah. almost every meal because she enjoys cooking. She likes to cook. Um, you know, yeah. she won't let me in the kitchen. Not that I can't cook and she knows I can cook, but she likes to do it when, before we, li oh, shush. before we lived <laughs> in the place where we I live can't. now, our last place, our washer and dryer was actually in the basement. And because she has knee issues and back issues and things, I was the one that did all the laundry there. But now that we live here in this house, the, the laundry room is on this main floor, you know, in, in a back you know room and she does it and she just does it. So I say to her. Oh, no, but like I say to her, I'll go in and do it. She's like, no, 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 it's fine. I'll okay, take care of it. This is going to be really a really um, probing and maybe unfair question, but I'm going to put on the line. I'm going to tell you the things that I do in the house and you guys can, if you want, I guarantee Sean's list will be longer than mine. Probably. Because, you know, he and Sarah are kind of on an equal footing and they both have to just get on with it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So for me, it's washing up, 
loading and unloading the dishwasher and it's not like oh that's own you know you have to do that it's just that that's what i can do so that's how i can help out doing the hoovering um pulling things out of the hoover that shouldn't have been hoovered up um gross <laughs> doing the doing the bathrooms you know stuff like that but she does everything else so you know if i didn't do if i didn't you know um have a job and stuff like that i would probably think that you know i'm wow i'm coasting here i'm a freeloader do you know what I, I, mean? I, I i don't know i think this is just the the sort of a relationship sometimes falls into people do certain tasks right and i don't I, think I, this I, is specific to I don't people with blind... disabilities or blindness and i don't agree things. that people should all do the same and take you know I, I believe that people have natural roles and stuff like that that they like you say <gasps> fall into well, because that's... Their, well. <laughs> their preference or their strength or whatever i don't believe that everyone should be able to do everything no absolutely i know that's slightly but i think as long as it's an understood agreement between the two yes. partners between the couple that says you know what this is okay this is our life and our lifestyle and we're okay with it and that was what my bigger point was with me and my wife jennifer is that we have things that we do. You can call them roles, you, whatever you want to call it, but there are things that I do around the house. There's things she does. There's things we do for each other. You know, if yeah. I'm up and about, well, not, well, anyway, there, you know, if, if, because it's I know, <laughs> if, if I know that, because I know the fact that she has, you got me all stumbly, um, because I know that she has bad <laughs> knees and a bad back and nerve issues and things, I do my very best to minimize the time she has to get up and go get something. So mm -hmm. if I'm already up and about, I'll say, hey, do you, you know, do you mean to get you a drink from the fridge or do you need something or you're a hero? Can I get you something? Yeah. But it's, it's just, it goes back to that caring. It's, it's caring for your partner. It's, it's caring for your spouse. It's, it's, it's just what it is. I don't think it's specific to blindness, although blindness can come into it because then it's a mutual understanding of, you know, comfortability of doing things versus just ease of doing things. Like she'll tell me, you know, I'll say, I'm going to go make myself a sandwich. She goes, you want me to do it? I'm like, no, 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 I'll do it. She goes, no, I'll do it. Cause well, I can do it yeah, faster I and in. I can do it probably cleaner. So I'll, I'll I take it a lot quicker you. than that. Yeah. She does it so much faster <laughs> than me. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. cheese and pickle, please. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So, so, uh, but that's just a mutual <laughs> understanding more than it is just, she does it because I'm blind. I mean, it, I mean, it is a byproduct because I, I would go a little slower and I would be a little messier. She's not wrong. However, you know, she's okay with that. And she, she's, she's fine to do that. Um, like Robin alluded to though, Sean, I mean, you and Sarah both being blind. And I know with Sarah's blindness with glaucoma, because that's as if people don't know is, is a lot of you know, pressure on the eye. I mean, that's a very, very, you know, small definition of it, but I mean, basically, you know, hard pressure in the eye. And I know she has a lot of, you know, soreness, pain, uh, soreness, probably even the right word, you know, strenuous pain sometimes with her eyes um, that can even be probably debilitating, but you two do kind of just get on and, and do things for each other, but for yourselves and just kind of do, don't you? Yeah, well, of course you got to, right? And I think a lot of that comes from when you have children as well. The, 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 uh, uh, my outlook totally changed because everything was about me for the longest time. <laughs> oh no, woe is me. I'm blind and I'm losing my sight or I can't do this or I'm struggling with this. And then all of a sudden, you know, I've, I've got two kids and it's like, yeah, just shut up, Sean, get on with it. <laughs> you know? So I think, yeah, I think just life always gets in the way. And after a while, once you get over that grief, once you get over that, and when I say get over, I don't mean, you know, hey, two months down the line, I'm over it. I mean, it's took me 
decades. 20 years down the line. Get yeah, over exa- it. exactly. It's a grieving process. <laughs> but it and absolutely it is, a, yes. is a grieving process. But Yeah, uh, if you're somebody yeah. who's losing vision or has lost your vision over time, you're grieving the loss of that vision as opposed to someone who's born blind. It's it's a different process. It's not, it's not, how do I say this? It's not wrong different. It's just different. You know what I mean? I, I, we've had this conversation before on here. Um, I had the folks from Accessibility uh, Roundtable on, you know, Holly and Darcy, and they talked about being blind since birth, mm. where eventually as they grew older, their, you know, coping mechanisms were the same as ours. You know, they came to the fact that, oh, I won't be able to drive and I won't be able to do whatever, and I do have to do things differently. So at a certain point, our lives as, as people who have lost vision over time coincide with the, the, the lives of somebody who had vision, you know, no, or I'm sorry, had no visions from birth, mm-hmm. but their, their formative years are just different than ours, depending on when we started losing it. But eventually our experiences are very, very similar. And it is just about working with, you know, your spouse, your partner, and I wish I'd known that in my twenties that uh, it was just going to be okay. But I kind of had to go through that. You know, it's it's like coping with the vision loss and the grieving process that you guys talked about. It's the same thing. It's like learning for yourself. You know what? I, I am losing my vision, and I and I'm getting better at coping with this. And boy, once I'm putting it out in the world that I'm doing better with it then people will respond to that. It's like anything. It's like any kind of positivity or any kind of, you know, energy you put out there in the world, it's going to come back. If you're negative all the time and and this and that, you know, and and just down on everything, that's how you're going to be perceived. And that's how people are going to, going to be with you, you know, and and then you're not going to do that all the time. There's still days to now. I'm, I'm sure all three of us go through this where you're still just like, God, my eyesight, man, you know, I w- Usually I wish after I, could... I walk into something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when you stub a toe or you, you know, <laughs> hit something, walk into something. Exactly, it's just like... Break yet <sighs> another pair yeah. of uh, those frames. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're up to what, six we're... now? Jeez. <laughs> we're saying that, you know, if only I'd have known it would all work out fine. But that's because it, it has, you know, certainly with regards to partners and families right. and stuff like that. But for people who are listening who that hasn't come about yet... Um, I mean, what would you say? Just get out there in the world. I mean, how did you bump into, how did you meet Jen? <laughs> well, um, that ex that we talked about, um, her sister had alerted me of of a job at a call center here in town at a pizza place. And I got a job there. This is kind of weird, but but it, but it works, I promise. A call center at a pizza place? Well, yeah, there are people answering the phones to answer questions or to take okay. orders and put them in the it's computer. It's a very big pizza place. Okay. And I had, well, I mean, it's large around it's Cincinnati, America. but um, <laughs> they have a lot of locations. Everything's like, large. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Big. Um, Sorry. But, um, but yeah, so I, I got a job there and thankfully my local association for the blind came out and they, you know, at the time I could see a little, so they had Zoom text on there and and uh you know i i had shortcuts and things that i used and so one of the trainers there i got to know really really well well she had called me one night knowing that i was kind of techie and and new computers she was at a friend's house jennifer and she said hey i'm at my friend's house and her computer is really slow and it's got a bunch of viruses she's you know i told her that you might be able to help us can you over the phone walk me through trying to fix this and so i walked her through the process helped her get the computer cleaned as best as we could so that Jennifer could get files and things off of it and reformat it. 
And then about a month or so later to thank me for that, Jennifer took me out to dinner and, um, yeah, after I got back home, my first thought was, what do I have to do to get to know that person better? Cause <laughs> she was awesome. She was fantastic. And over the next few months after that, we got talking and started dating and it just, it, it just worked out. You know what I mean? It just kind of fell in the place and, and, and made sense. Like it always does when you got that person that you find, you know, I'm sure, I hope you guys had the same you know, <laughs> feelings for your, you know, for your, uh, for your women of your life. But yeah, so I mean, it just, it just was that chance meeting, but it works and we complement each other, you know, very, very well. So that's the top tip to offer tech support for all of your friends. Exactly. Always be willing to offer tech support and you never know who you might meet. But no, so like, I, I want to kind of wrap us up here um, because we've covered so much and I think there's so much more that we, we could talk about. But, you know, if, if we were wanting to say, and I think we've kind of said a little bit of this, but each of you in turn, if there was something you could say to somebody be like, hey, you know what? I want you to be aware of this, you know, back to the theme of, of you know, blindness awareness, you know, month and things. I want you to be aware of this as either a person who's losing vision or coping with that vision loss. I know both of you, you know, none of us can talk about being born blind, but having vision loss, whether you're talking to somebody who is sighted, who knows somebody who's going through this, or the person is going through this, what would be something that you're just like, you know what, I, I, if I have to tell you something, you've got to know this. Robin, go ahead. I went first at the beginning. Sure. <laughs> Why throw me under the bus, Robin? Um, okay. No, I don't know. I, I, I find it really difficult to give any advice. I can just go off what I found useful myself. And I, I think, as I said way back at the start, for me, the, the biggest thing that changed my outlook, that changed my attitude, was actually mixing with visually impaired people, talking to visually impaired people. Um, it, it just t totally changed me. I was so... Um, cut off i was so building up walls uh, you know, about blindness uh, yes i was told you know I, I, I knew i was aware of what i was going through but i just didn't know any visually impaired people I, it, it made a huge difference to me once i actually spoke to people i realized okay yeah exactly the same as me and a lot of those that's what it comes down to with a lot of aspects of visual impairment is again as you said tim earlier about just talking and just realizing everyone you know you're not weird you're not you know useless because you can't do you this or you're struggling with this alone. you are not alone indeed yes that, that that's that's a good point <laughs> i think that is actually yeah i'm gonna go with that nice. well done well said sir well Thank robin you. for you i mean you have your position at AbilityNet. we've mentioned that on the show before and so i'm sure you deal with this not just in your own personal life but with the lives of others on a, on a grander scale all the time so what kind of things you know, would you want to say now, or, or do you, you know, say to other people that are, that are looking for advice or things that you try to make people aware of? I mean, I was going to kind of just agree with Sean, which is, you know, get out there, um, try and meet as many people as you can. And, and, you know, if you can expose yourselves to, uh, people that have gone through the same process and, you know, there's loads of brilliant podcasts out there, that sort of thing. But seeing as you brought it around to tech, so AbilityNet is all about tech to help people with different disabilities. And so, yeah, absolutely have um, confidence that there's going to be some technology out there that will help you. Whatever your uh, level of confidence with it, whatever your um, 
use case, you know, whatever you want to get out of it from smart speakers. Hey, there's some brilliant podcasts on that as well. Um, mm, so yes, more about that in a moment. We'll, we'll plug away here in um, just a moment, but yes. To, you know, tablets or this or a smartphone or whatever it might be. Um, and at AbilityNet, I think the resource that I mo would most want to make people aware of is a website called mycomputermyway.com. If you go there, it's got step-by-step -step guides on all the accessibility settings of all the main platforms, Mac, uh, Windows, iOS, Android, and popular software like Office, for example. And unlike a lot of the guides that are out there, it's, you know, click here, click here, which, for example, if you're a keyboard user or a blind user who, you know, we use the keyboard as well, um, it will also give all the hotkeys as well. So it's, you know, aimed at... Uh, being as inclusive as possible. So mycomputermyway.com to help you get the most out of the tech that you've already got. And AbilityNet more generally, um, AbilityNet is just one word. If you want to search for that, there's loads of info about, you know, other software, hardware, specialist mainstream that, that can help, you know, open doors for people, whether it's just in their daily lives or in education or, you know, getting or into my house, whatever it might be. Yeah. Open That's my right. door. Smart probably. tech. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I would say that. I think, you know, I'm really, really grateful that tech has played such a big part in my journey uh, to date. So, and I'm excited about what's coming up in the future as well. I haven't, you know, given up on bionic eyes altogether. No, no. So we'll see. I think those are both very great points from, from both of you that, you know, you aren't alone. Try really hard not to give up because eventually you can get there. And if you have the access or the ability to, to use some technology along the way, assistive tech and even mainstream tech, as we all know at this point, is so much better. I mean, I, I almost said so really, really good, but then not always, but for the most part though, it is really good. And, you know, things that are baked into products or things that we can get to make products uh, accessible to us. It's so amazing. Even in the last... 10 years, 15 years, the things that have happened, the, the skills and the applications and all the different things that are available to help us to do things easier and better is a byproduct of helping us cope better, I think. And so, yeah, knowing that it can be done and we aren't alone, there are groups. You can always look in your, you know, where you live locally, see if there's a group. I was so blessed to have a group here uh, where I went for a long time that was a, you know, a support group for people losing vision. And in the beginning, I was so kind of just timid and shy and nervous. And by, you know, you? Yes, I was because I was still losing vision at the time myself. And then it became a point of I actually, the counselors that ran it, because we did it like twice a year for like a six week period out of the year. Um, and it would take that time off in between and the counselors would call me and say, now you are coming back. Right. Cause you know, people like your stories and people like talking with you. And, and I, so I went, I always, you do know, I mean, I am, sh I, I'm not as shy as I used to be, but I still, I think, I, I hope I'm as, as humble. Cause I would say, you know, I, I appreciate that. And I will definitely be there because I did kind of go from, somebody going there to be mentored and, and learn to becoming a mentor. And that was a big jump for me. And that was a, a big deal, but I was able to give back. And that was kind of the birth of this podcast and birth of me being on other shows that I've been on with you guys over the years where yeah. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm at a point where I want people to know not necessarily my story. That's not as important as knowing 
things that I've learned along the way that maybe I can share. And then I still can learn how often do the three of us, you know, are contacting each other. Like, how do you do this? How do you do that? Hey, I found this new great tool or this new great app, you know, yeah. so we're still constantly learning and working with each other to find those things. And so, like you said, Sean, you know, being, it doesn't have to be a big community necessarily, but just finding somebody that you can talk to that that's in that same boat can be so helpful. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of really, really great points, uh, all around. So as we're wrapping up then, um, Robin, you mentioned a few other places that can be found for great info about accessible things. So the both of you can be found on the echo show all about Amazon echo smart home devices, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. Robin, you yourself do a daily show for, um, Amazon skills called dot to dot, correct? Mm -hmm. Sean pops up on there an awful lot as well. Yes, Hello. he does. He likes his skills. Lot. Yep. And then in addition to that, uh, Sean, each and every week and well, actually daily now, my goodness, uh, double tap from AMI in Canada is where you can go to get all of your tech needs and even assistive tech needs, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Double tap every day, 12 noon Eastern. Uh, have a look in your favorite podcast catcher. Me and Stephen Scott going through tech news. Usually, most of the time it's tech news. Sometimes it takes a little <laughs> bit of a tangent, but uh, no, it's, it's, yes. it's uh, yes, it's enjoyable. Yeah, if Check you've it out, ever, ever listened to any of us between the Tech Talk Show, the Blind Guy Show, Double Tap, <laughs> or even here, if you don't expect that banter is going to happen, you're in the wrong place. You, you... <laughs> Can I plug two more? Oh, absolutely. Go. Oh, that's right. You do have, you have a plethora of places. Well, I always one forget is mine. This. One is yes. mine. My accessibility. I have to say that because those guys are um, very, very uh, absolutely worthy of, of yeah, um, plugging. I, I mentioned that Every before. Fortnight. Yeah, Holly and Darcy. And um, yeah. what's that? I always forget the other guy's name. What's his name? Robert Carter. Robert uh, Carter. Yeah, doctor. Shelley Brisbane. Dr. Bob. Shelly yeah. Brisbane, yep, 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 yep. Steve Sawson, Eric Droop, a real gang. Um, so yeah, my accessibility every fortnight and Shaun of the Shed. Have you heard of that one? That's good. Oh, I, oh. yes, Shaun of the Shed. Shaun the, the best place to get your how-to tech information. <laughs> now on YouTube, Shaun of the Shed. Ooh. <laughs> uh, well, absolutely check out all of those different places. They will eventually probably show up in some show notes for Life After Blindness coming to you soon. Um, I promise I will I will work on show notes <laughs> for them coming soon and make sure all the links are, are there and available. Uh, I want to thank both of you guys again for, for doing this and talking about this. These are some, I don't want to say hard, but just can sometimes be difficult things to talk about. And I think that they're really, really necessary and really important, mm -hmm. despite how hard they can be to, to open up and talk about. And sometimes as hard as it can be to hear them, we, as we've talked about hearing some of these things, mm -hmm. especially when you're in the throes of it can be really, really difficult. So um, for, you know, for being able to do that, I, I think is fantastic to be able to have this conversation. So thanks to both of you. And thanks once again to everybody listening to Life After Blindness. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Tim. Bye-bye. Bye. Ready? Mm. We'll do it on the beat of zero. Yes? Well, you'll have to give us a sec then. Robin, will you put the fudge away? <laughs> Alexa, turn off studio speakers. Alexa, turn off studio speaker. No, I can't. Alexa, turn off studio speakers! Thank oh, you. There's one for the bloopers at the end.
yelling at your Alexa. That's perfect. Thank you. Unbelievable. <laughs> the speakers <clears throat> or me? Both. 